May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be ever acceptable to you, O Lord our God. Amen. Amen. So have you ever made a prediction that something was going to happen? Here are some predictions from the past. Now, all of these predictions are from people that were very trusted individuals. Thomas Watson, chairman of IBM, in 1943 said, I think there's a world market for maybe five computers. Another prediction goes like this. There was an inventor by the name of Lee DeFrost, and he claimed that while theoretically and technically television may be feasible, commercially and financially, it's an impossibility. And this is my favorite. The Decca Recording Company made a big mistake when they made this prediction. We don't like their sound. Guitar music is on its way out. They predicted that in 1962, those four boys from England, the Beatles, wouldn't make it. As the disciples walked out of the temple that day in Jerusalem, Jesus paused and made a prediction. He looked back at his disciples and he looked back at the temple and he predicted, do you see all of those great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another. What? Nothing could bring down those walls. Remember, I just, I just told that temple was bigger than the Jaguar Stadium. Bigger than... What? Nothing could bring down those walls? The disciples were like, look, teacher. Look at the massive stones. Look at that magnificent building. The smallest of those stones in the temple were two to three tons. Many of them weighed 50 tons. The largest existing stone is 40 feet in length and 10 feet high. It weighed hundreds of tons. The stones were so immense that they didn't need mortar or any other binding material to be used between the stones. Their stability was attained by the great weight of the stones. The walls towered over Jerusalem, over 400 feet in one area. And inside the four walls were 45 acres of bedrock that had been shaved down flat. The top of a mountain, 45 acres. And during Jesus' day, a quarter of a million people could fit comfortably in that structure. Again, no sports structure in America today comes close to the humongous size of the temple. So you can understand the disciples' surprise, right? As they walked down Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives, Peter, James, and John... They wanted to hear more from this trusted source. Jesus' prediction that a structure so immense would be leveled to the ground seemed implausible. But they kept asking Jesus questions. They wanted to know when. 
What would be the sign that this was going to take place? Well, and their voice was fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear that their lives were about to change forever. Jesus had not made any predictions like this before. This was different. This was scary. Forty years after this, Jesus' prediction came true. In 70 AD, the temple was destroyed by Rome. Not one stone will be left upon another. After that prediction, Jesus told them other predictions that were also hard to hear. He told of great destruction and persecution of those who follow him. This certainly gets the disciples' attention, and it certainly gets our attention. In every generation, at some point in its history, we have thought that the end of time was near. Some of us remember the beginning of the 21st century. You remember the years 2000 and 2001. There were a lot of predictions out there about this was it. Our current generation can reflect upon our own experiences of war, natural disasters, political chaos, all of it being fodder for apocalyptic possibility. Some of us were old enough to remember where we were on September 11, 2001, when 19 terrorists associated with Al-Qaeda hijacked four commercial airline planes. On December 26, 2004, the world was shocked by the tsunami that hit Indonesia. It was and still is one of the deadliest natural disasters in history. Hundreds of thousands of people. Our political system and the political system in countries around the world find their nations divided and seemingly unable to come to the table together for any reason. Our own diocese is struggling to find unity in this divisive time. Some of us, like the disciples, wonder, is this the end of time? Are these signs of the end of the world as we know it? What should we do? Jesus says, do not be terrified. Not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your soul. In a world where there are catastrophic things happening, just like through all of recorded history since the beginning of time, we have hope. We've had to endure a lot of great hardships throughout human civilization, great destructions, things beyond our control. 
But Jesus reminds us that our salvation lies in good hands, God's hands. We can rest in knowing that we, in our salvation, are in our Lord's hands. As legend has it, the great Martin Luther, the great reformist, was asked what he would do if he learned that the world were going to end today. He said, you know what? If tomorrow is the day of judgment, then today I want to plant an apple tree. As the world turns around us, we can't help but be paralyzed by fear at times, wondering, is this a sign? Are we in the last days? Why is this happening to us? But instead, Jesus says, remain steadfast in our faith. Seek God's will in all things. If we seek God's will, God will be there living inside of us, guiding us, showing us the way. We'll know how to act. We'll know how to speak God's truth among any and all adversity. When our own personal times of great suffering and pain happen, we need to rest in knowing that God is walking with us. In the most trying of times, Jesus is still there. When we struggle with our own loss, our grief, the chaos of our life, We have to reach out to what is greater than even our deepest pain and despair. We have to reach to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a song that I hope you're familiar with. Precious Lord, take my hand. I know my husband knows it. This was written by Thomas Dorsey in such a a testimony. It's a witness. You see, Thomas Dorsey was born in 1889 in rural Georgia. He was a prolific songwriter and an excellent gospel and blues musician. Well, while he he was a young man, Dorsey was moved to Chicago, and he found work. He was a piano player in churches as well as in clubs and theaters. He was struggling financially with his family, so he he divided his time between the clubs and the church. But his heart was at the church. So after some time of discernment, Dorsey finally devoted all of his artistry exclusively to the church. And in August of 1932, Dorsey left his pregnant wife in Chicago, and he traveled to be the featured soloist at a large revival meeting in St. Louis. After the first night of the revival, Dorsey received a telegram that simply said, your wife has died. Dorsey raced home and learned that his wife had given birth to a son before dying in childbirth. The next day, his son died as well. Dorsey buried his wife and son in the same casket, and he withdrew in sorrow and agony from his family and friends. 
He refused to compose or play music for quite some time. While in the midst of this despair, Dorsey said that he sat in front of a piano one day and this feeling of peace came upon him. He heard a melody in his head that he had never heard before and he began to play it on the piano. And that night, Dorsey recorded his testimony while in the midst of suffering. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. This life is difficult. The natural world can destroy. People groups struggle to live in harmony. Individuals can be incredibly cruel. We struggle to make sense of all of this. But Jesus says, do not fear. This world is not all that there is. In the chaos, seek the Lord and the Lord alone. The Lord will provide strength and comfort to persevere. Jesus says, by your endurance, you will gain your soul. Amen.